So as, uh, as Stacy mentioned just a minute ago, we have something called Compass Christian Preschool, which is our weekday preschool program here at, at Emmaus. And when I first came to Emmaus about two and a half years ago, and we were trying to figure out where my office was going to be, Jim was very gracious. How great is Jimmy? I think it's Jimmy from, from here on. Like, Kendall may have just completely changed Emmaus for, for all of history. That's pretty... We'll go with Jim for right now, and then we'll let him, we'll, we'll navigate that going forward. But, uh, so Jim was very gracious, as he always is, saying, hey, Owen, we'll get you an office in the place that would be best for you. The office we have open for you right now looks out on the playground. Is that going to be a problem for you? Well, I thought, no, that's perfect, because I can bring my kids up here. I can work. I can put them out there at, at the playground, and this, this will work out perfectly, which, which it has. It's been fantastic to be able to do that. Then we started the Compass uh, Preschool, and so I'm in my office and studying and preparing for messages, and I'll hear a little knock on the window. Uh, that's Emery's dad. What's he doing in there? And it's so great. You might say, you're saying that because you're like, I love it. That is one of the most important things that happens as I prepare for messages. Because if you're not careful, you get in a room, you start to take yourself too seriously, and you forget why you really do it. And it's for those kids that are knocking on the window because they're hearing about Jesus, and their teachers are able to say, oh, hey, you know, the guy in there, he's studying God's word because he loves to tell you about Jesus. And it brings all those things together. And what we're trying to say over this whole six-week sermon series with sports and leisure and recreation is that play can be a great gift from the Lord. We're looking each week at a different word, at a different section of Scripture that speaks about sports and recreation. And today, our word is very simply play. When you look in the Bible, about 24 times or so, you're going to find the word play Many times it has to do with playing instruments. Like we said several times, if you're not interested in sports, you might be in music or technology. Play, play music, play ball, play video games, whatever it looks like. There's a great scripture in Psalm 104 where it talks about that God created the great sea creatures to play in the oceans. When you see your pets playing, kids, when you love your, your cats if you love cats, if you really love your dogs, when you see your pets playing, that's a reflection of the world that God has created. God has created that type of world on purpose. But here's the other thing. The word play can also show up in the Bible in a negative context. Just like all of the good gifts that God gives us, they're good gifts from him, but it's so easy for them to be twisted in a negative way. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What we're driving at is how play and sports and leisure can be done and should be done for the glory of God. But what these scriptures will do for you this morning is they're going to say, hold on, be careful. There's a type of play that honors the Lord and then there's a type of recreation and leisure and play that does not honor the Lord. And we're going to try to make that distinction this morning based on 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So let's jump right in. Verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. Some translations will say ignorant. Paul's picking up again on this idea of knowledge in the church at Corinth. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea 
And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. Uh, Paul is obviously building up here the idea that these people have really experienced the work of God in their lives. They've experienced, they've seen the power of God. They've taken part in religious experiences. And then you get to verse 4, they all drank the same spiritual drink. Baptism, eating, drinking, it's not hard to see. Christian baptism, Lord's Supper tied in with that. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now what Paul is doing here, it sounds a little bit strange to our ears, but, but what he's doing here is he's tying back in this idea that Christ as the eternal Son of God has always been at work to physically and spiritually nourish the people. And he's always been at work in creation. And so even looking back into these Old Testament stories that we're going to see here, we see how Christ has always been at work. And so Paul's wanting to tie together the New Testament believers with the people of God throughout of history. And so he's tying them together in this way. And he says, the rock was Christ, verse 5, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. The word overthrown there even has the idea of being scattered about. Get the idea of a lot of dead bodies spread across this desert. And so it says in these verses, and make sure you hear this clearly, the people have experienced the power of God. They've taken part in these religious experiences, nevertheless, God was not pleased. There is a type of experience of God's power, and there is a type of religious observance that does not honor the Lord. There is a way of engaging in spiritual practices and religious practices that's not based on faith in Christ, it's not based on obedience to God, and it never transforms our lives. And we have to be so careful about that. Because the American South is littered with examples of people who took part in religious experiences, maybe even experienced the power of God in their lives, but their life was never transformed. They never truly had faith in Christ, trusted in him, were never obedient and worshiping the Lord. And if I could just start off point blank with you, be very careful about a form of religious experience that is not focused upon the Lord, but is your experience to try to please God or try to check off a box or try to say, I need to have this, but it really isn't what my life is all about. It's a very dangerous path to go down. And, and just to say it more bluntly, you can take part in a mission trip, and you can be on a Christian baseball team, and you can attend a worship service on Sunday morning and still not know what it is to have faith in Jesus Christ. The people that are being spoken of here, they saw some of the greatest acts of God in history. They took part in some of the most incredible religious experiences any of us could ever imagine Nevertheless, we find out that it was not pleasing to God. 
Uh, when I lived in New Orleans, my wife and I lived in New Orleans for several years going to seminary, and we spent, spent a lot of time down there. In New Orleans, uh, one year I had a chance to be the chaplain for the AAA baseball team uh, that plays out of New Orleans. They were called the Zephyrs at that time. Unfortunately, because of minor league marketing, they're now called the Baby Cakes. Um, how you play for a professional baseball team that's called the Baby Cakes, I will, I will never know. But in New Orleans, they have these incredible cakes that are offered every so, so often called King Cakes. And if you cut open the piece that has a little plastic baby inside, you've got to buy the cake uh, for, for the next party. And so the New Orleans baseball team is now called the Baby Cakes. But when we would host chapel services for these baseball guys, these professional baseball players, some of these guys were completely serious uh, about following the Lord. Some of these guys were in a one for 18 hitting slump, and you knew they were coming to chapel because they desperately needed a hit uh, that day. Or they were having trouble finding the strike zone, and so they thought if they came to Christian chapel, there's a better chance they could find the strike zone that day and not get demoted down to double A. Put those baseball guys aside for just a second and look at your own heart. Am I here this morning because I'm trying to check off a religious box? Do I want a religious experience because I need something from God? Or have I given myself fully to him? Because let me show you the danger of not doing that. Verse 6, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. If you are a Bible underliner or a Bible highlighter, the word there to focus on is the word desire. The word examples is important. That's a, that's a nice word there because it's showing us how these stories in the Old Testament can function for us. But the word I want to point you to there is even the word desire. The problem for these people is that they had these religious experiences. They saw the power of God, but it didn't change what they truly desired in life. To say it another way, their life was never changed from the inside out. If you hang around Emmaus for very long, we're going to talk about quite often, we want God to change us from the inside out. It's not just external. It's something he has to do in here, and then it flows out of us. I think up there on the screen as well, we have James 1, 14 through 15. This is a good tie-in with this concept. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Let's keep reading in verse 7. You're going to see the way this kind of plays itself out. Verse 7. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Okay, there's our word for today, the word play. So the people are called idolaters here, and it says, they sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. How is play here a negative concept? What you have to see is the story being reflected here comes from Exodus chapter 32. Uh, if you want to make a note about that, to look at that later, you can, but I've got a couple of verses from Exodus 32 up on the screen, um, or if you're the book finding champion in your Bible, you can turn over to Exodus 32, or you can navigate there on your phone and, and look at that story. But I want to show you these verses out of Exodus 32 to see what Paul is tying together. 
Talking about Aaron here, Aaron received the gold. So Moses is not in the story at this point. Moses has gone up on the mountain. He re- Aaron receives the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. There's the idolatry piece. You see how that's fitting in there. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Oh, like, let that settle in for just a second. The God of the universe has rescued his people out of sin and slavery, and then they shape a golden calf and say, this is your God that did that? I'm glad I've never done anything like that. Except I have. We all do that. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. Just to let you know, that was not supposed to happen. That is a type of worship where they're going around the commands of God. They're not worshiping the way that God has called them to. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and and they rose up to play. It's not hard to see how Paul, in 1 Corinthians 10, has taken this story, and he's tying it in with what he's telling the people there in Corinth. He's saying, there's a type of play where you bring your preferences, you bring your ideas, and you mix them in with what it really means to worship God. If you got one of the bulletins as you were coming in, you have some notes to look at. There's a quote on there from a man named Leland Riken. Here's what this quote says, and you may, have, you may have heard this along the way. Listen to this carefully. He says, we live in a world now in which we worship our work, we work at our play, and we play in our worship. We worship our work, we work at our play, and we play in our worship. And we just have to be honest to say that's an incredibly dangerous place to be. And yet that's the culture that we live in in so many different ways. And, b- and before we worry about people maybe not in church right now, we have to worry about our own hearts. Here's two dangers I want to point out to you. And we're, we're trying to navigate these two, okay? One danger is that we would play at our worship. That when we gather to worship, that it would be something that we take lightly, that it's not a big deal, that we play and we say, ah, this is just not that big a deal. The other danger is you might have grown up in a church where the worship service was super serious, very reverent, very, you didn't smile, uh, you certainly didn't have little letters down here on the stage or, you know, wear a t-shirt like I did last week. You didn't, it was very tight in worship. But those same people, when they left that worship service, lived their lives often in a way that felt very hypocritical. So, so don't miss the, the two extremes here. At one extreme, we say, Jesus is my homeboy. We come together and worship. It's just a big joke. We're really just playing along, and we're playing at worship. There, there's one extreme. At the other extreme is, oh, yeah, we're super serious about worship, but that worship service is completely disconnected from the rest of our lives. And that's a danger as well, because even in that way of living, you might have what seems like a very reverential worship service, but you've quartered off worship from the rest of your life, which is not what we're called to do to do either. Go back really quickly to verse 7 in your Bible. Verse 7 there, it says, Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. There's that reference to idolatry. 
Then verse 8, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Just that reminder from Psalm 115, that who or what you worship will impact how you live. Idolatry always leads to immorality. Worship a false god, live a life that doesn't honor the Lord. Those two are always connected. Idolatry tied in with immorality. You see that in, in Psalm 115. Let's jump ahead to verse 9. Verse 9, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Okay, watch the pattern because this actually, this, this matters. It's tied together. Idolatry leads to immorality, leads to not really trusting the Lord, so you put him to the test and you push him to the edge, which leads to grumbling and complaining, not only against God, but against one another. Said another way, said another way, a spirit or a life of grumbling and complaining ties back to testing Christ ties back to immorality, ties back to idolatry. The danger of grumbling and complaining, cutting the legs out of the people of God, doing what God has called them to do, all tied back to not truly understanding what it means to worship the Lord, what he wants to do in our life. Verse 11, again, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, verse 12, lest anyone who thinks he stands Take heed lest he fall. You think you're a good Christian? You think you're a really super religious person? Make sure you understand what that really means. Verse 13. No temptation. There's another path here. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. If you're going through a difficult time in life right now, fighting against temptation, struggling to trust the Lord, let me encourage you. Find a little piece of paper, find a sticky note, and write down 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and put it someplace where you can see. Many of you have this verse committed to, to memory, but if you don't, go home this afternoon Write down 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Put it next to the Falls Creek prayer card you're going to pick up when you leave. And let that verse encourage and guide you. Here's the other thing. If you are here today and you are struggling with sin and temptation or you are struggling with pain in your life, do not buy the lie that you're all alone. And do not buy the lie that there's no way you can ever escape that or overcome that. Because this verse says that's simply not true. There's one part of this that we need to take the Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade lesson from this last week and say, if you're hurting, if you're struggling, please don't do that alone. Please reach out to someone. Do not sit in that darkness and pain alone. Better yet, we want to point you toward Christ. And what you are facing is not the end of the story. The temptation you're battling with that you say, this is just who I am, I can't do anything else, not true. There is hope in Christ and there's hope in the body of Christ. And so let 1 Corinthians 10, 13 guide you. 
be a source of strength, a source of hope this week. Verse 14, therefore, what do you do? There's a way of escape. Well, flee. If the door's open and it's a bad situation, flee from idolatry. 15, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Okay, just for a second, hold on to the word participation in your mind. Um, It's going to be the word that helps us make sense of what happens in the next couple of verses. So participation, jump ahead to 17. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake or even participate in that one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? Verse 20, no. I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Okay, there's this idea of participation that Paul is trying to direct them in. And he's saying, as a follower of Jesus, the scope of your life, the participation of your life, is bound up in all of who Christ is and what he has done. So, if you worship a false god, or if you take part in worship that is not honoring to God, and is in fact focused on false gods, you can't live in that way because your life is going to be divided. How do we know that? Verse 21. Verse 21 is the carryover here. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the cup of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Verse 21 You might hear reflections of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't participate in, worship the Lord, and worship this other God. What does this have to do with sports? What does this have to do with with recreation? Let's go back again to this idea. If we say, you know what, I worship God over here. He gets my attention. He gets my focus but then something else over here absorbs my life, you find yourself living with this divided worship. And that's going to lead one of two places. It's either going to lead to immense guilt or immense hypocrisy. And no matter which of those it leads you to, it's going to wear you out. Because you're always wondering, am I worshiping the Lord right now or am I worshiping something else? We do not mix or divide our worship we are called to purify our worship what this means what this means is that worship of God is the only worship we give so he alone is savior he alone is lord everything else I do in my life goes under him and I hope that brings immense freedom to you because I'm not spending time with my family going to work, playing sports, doing recreation, and always wondering, man, I should really be worshiping the Lord right now. That's that old way of thinking that says these are somehow two different things. It is one worship of one God, and everything else I do 
fits under that. Let's get super practical. We don't have time to work this all the way out, but I may try to do some things on Facebook this week, maybe with this, we'll see. Let's, let's, let's talk about the question of sports participation on Sunday. There's a hard topic. If it's not sports participation on Sunday, it's, it's many other things that we do. If you're asking those questions in your family, or you're around people who are asking those questions, should we be doing this on Sunday, should we not? There's several ways that you can proceed on that, and, and that's a difficult thing. Here's what you have to get right, though, about that conversation. It's not telling your kids, well, are we going to worship God, or are we going to take part in this activity? Because you know what you've done just then? You've set up for them that those are somehow two opposing possibilities. No, no, no. Whatever you decide, whatever direction you go as a family or whatever you go with your group, your language is, we will worship God no matter what. He is worthy of our worship, and that is what our lives will be about. If we decide to do this particular activity on Sunday, we might do that, but we will only do that because it's submitted completely to him. Do not lead your kids and do not get in this mentality that somehow these are two competing forces. There is no competing force with the God of the universe. He alone is worthy of worship, and we will only give him pure worship, not mixed worship. And so anything else I do has to come under that, not sit beside that. And that's what Paul is trying to lead them toward. And what that leads you toward is verse 23, which opens up all kinds of possibilities about understanding freedom and limits in the Christian life. Verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Verse 27. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat what's set before you. You have freedom. Don't, don't raise any questions on the ground of conscience. If someone does say to you, this has been offered in sacrifice to a demon, then don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. And for the sake of that person's conscience, uh, it says in verse 29, Why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? Uh, kind of the big picture thing I would want you to see from those verses right there is in Christ we have incredible freedoms. But true freedom in Christ still involves restraint, still involves limits. Remember, 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 remember. True freedom is not doing whatever you want to do. Some people will say, I don't want to be a part of church. I don't want religion because I just want to be free. I just want to do whatever I want to you. Anytime somebody says, I just want to do whatever I want, that's not true freedom. Freedom is found in and under Christ, which comes with limits. What are those limits? Um, I think I put a couple of things on the notes there. One is God's word, obviously, provides those limits. For, for what we do, that, that that provides that foundation. The value of parental leadership and authority in your life to provide those limits. To go back to that activities on Sunday question, parents, just remember, you're called to leadership there, not to a victim mentality. Lead your kids. Don't act like your family is a victim to whatever that league schedule is or whatever somebody else is calling you to do. If you participate Participate to the glory of God, but do it because you have parental leadership in Christ for your family, not because you're a victim uh, of whatever else is happening around you with, with your league. Uh, and then just the gift of the church. 
the gift of multiple generations, multiple perspectives. If you're struggling on, hey, what, how can I honor the Lord with this? We're surrounded by people like these ladies that were on stage. Go to them and ask. Get the wisdom that comes from brothers and sisters in Christ who are able to speak into your family, who are able to speak into your situation and say, hey, I've faced this before. Here's an idea. Here's something you can try. Don't go it alone. Draw on that authority. Draw on that hope that comes from the church. All right, let's wrap up with this. Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. If you participate in sports, if you're involved in activities and leisure, don't write Philippians 4.13 on your shoes. Write 1 Corinthians 10.31 on your shoes. Like, this is a verse that can really, can really guide you when it comes to being involved in leisure and involved in activities, involved in the sports. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That is the direction we live our lives. The glory of God, verse 32, the good of others. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. If you're trying to figure out what kind of leisure or activities you should be involved in, your family should be involved in, does it bring glory to God, and is it good for others? Does it help others grow spiritually, and does it provide an opportunity for others to experience salvation? And then finally, I want to wrap up by these verses from Zechariah chapter 8. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. This is a picture of what it looks like when God will make all things new. Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in its streets. Two pictures in scripture. Will we play in our worship for our own purposes or will we play in the streets to the glory of God and for the good of others and for our eternal joy? Those are the two options presented in scripture. And I would call, your, call you to give yourself fully to the Lord. I'm gonna lead us in a time of prayer. After I do, we're gonna take up our offering and watch our Vacation Bible School video. Would you bow your heads with me right now? As you have a chance, uh, a moment of silence before we dismiss here, we have a lot of meals taking place across campus. We have a lot of ministry happening this afternoon. Before we do those things, though, let's ask ourselves, are we living fully for the glory of God? Are we caught in this divide where we say God's over this part, but he's not over this part? Have we given ourselves fully to the Lord? And are we doing it in a way that is good for others? Is our involvement in activities causing other people to grow in their faith and other people to come to Jesus, or is it just because of us? And then let's not miss that God has called us to lives of joy and not grumbling and complaining. That we would receive the gifts that he has given us with joy. Whatever he has called us to do, we would embrace with freedom and joy and hope in Christ in such a way that everything we do, do brings glory to God. Father, thank you for the joy of this worship service this morning, all the parts that have taken place ultimately to point people to you. God, thank you for your goodness to us. 
God, thank you for your faithfulness and kindness. We want to give our lives fully to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.